Any artists among us? Any pe- folks into art? Can I see your hands? Okay, there's, you kind of look kind of like, I guess, maybe. Well, uh, I would like to demonstrate uh, to you this morning that I am not an artist. So, for your entertainment pleasure, I'm going to draw a picture of Jesus. So, here we go. We're going to start with the head. So, that's not a very good head, but it's what I've got, and we'll put eyes on Jesus, and how about a nose and a mouth, some ears, and Jesus had, had long hair. All the pictures you see, uh, Jesus had long hair, so we'll give him some hair, kind of like that, and uh, got to give him a neck, and I think I'll stop there, but, um, but I, I would, have I demonstrated to you that I'm not a very good artist? Are we all agreed there? Well, see, that's, that's what happens when you ask me to draw a picture from scratch. When you ask me just to freelance a picture, it's not going to be very pretty. Uh, and I think that's the same thing that happens with how a lot of people live their lives. They just kind of wing it. They don't have a pattern or a plan. They just do whatever they feel like doing, whatever seems right at the moment. And unfortunately, the result is not very attractive. Pretty sad. But can I have a mulligan? Thank you. Thank you. Was that Gary? Thank you, Gary. So, yeah, Gary likes mulligans. He likes to give them, and he likes to use them, because I've played golf with Gary. Don't laugh, Wilmer, because I've played golf with you, too. Okay, so, so there's one uh, significant difference between this and this. This, uh, I don't know if you can see it in the first row, but uh, my friend Sandy Schumacher has actually traced an outline of the picture of Jesus. So now all I have to do is follow the lines that Sandy has given. It's, I'm not doing it perfectly well, but uh, I think you can already see that this picture is going to be a lot better than this picture. And so, Sandy, can you bring Lucy up? Can you keep going? Because i got a sermon I need to preach. So why don't you, why don't you guys keep working, and, uh, and I'll get to the <coughs> preaching part. Obviously, the difference between this one and what you're going to see that I've started is that this one has a template. This has a pattern. Come on up, guys. I've got one for each of you. Help yourself. Just keep going, and just whenever you're done, you can 
go back and I'm sure it'll look really good. So the difference is this has, this has a pattern. This has a template. This has an outline. So today we're talking about Jesus as our example, as our pattern, as our template. Two weeks ago in this series, we talked about Jesus as the Son of God. Last week, we talked about Jesus as the healer. But one of the reasons Jesus came to this earth was to show us how to live. To give us a pattern that we can follow in our lives. In fact... First Peter talks about that very thing in this verse. Let's look at this verse together. It says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So, one of the reasons Christ came was to leave us an example so that we don't have to wing it, so that we don't have to freelance it, but so that we can just Follow the pattern that is there for us. I was talking with a friend that's relatively new to the church uh, that I'm discipling one-on-one about this very idea that Jesus is our example. And I could tell he wasn't buying it. And so I stopped and I said, why the frown? What, what's going on here? And this guy said, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but how can Jesus be my example? Jesus was God. He, like, had a God brain, right? Uh, he had special powers. He was able to do all of this miraculous stuff. I just feel like I can't relate to Jesus. How can Jesus be my example? I don't know if some of you may have had similar kinds of thoughts, but can I share with you what I shared with my friend? I said, yes, Jesus is God. Two weeks ago, Alex read John 1.1 that says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So yes, Jesus was God. But Philippians teaches us, chapter 2, that when Jesus came to the earth... He gave up his godness. He gave up his special privileges as God. He became fully human. John chapter 1 says, The Word became flesh, incarnate. In other words, he took on humanity. He became a human being just like us. Listen to what Hebrews says when it's talking about Jesus, our high priest, our representative before God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus was human just like us. 
He empathizes with us in our weaknesses. He was tempted just like us. Jesus could have sinned. But he chose not to sin. So I said to my friend, don't dismiss the idea that Jesus can be our example. Don't think you can't relate to Jesus or that he can't relate to you. He can. He is our example. So if you buy that, doesn't it make sense that it would be important to understand how Jesus lived his life? To know how he reacted, how he responded, how he related to people? And where you find that out is in the Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament. This is where you get the picture of Jesus. This is where you see Jesus' life. And I challenge you to saturate yourself in these four books. I believe that the first four books of the New Testament, the the Gospels, are the most important books of the Bible. I hope you don't think it's blasphemy to say that some books of the Bible are less important than other books. The Gospels, they're the most important books of the Bible for you to read. So I would challenge you to get into that. Just a little bit of kind of overview about the, the Gospels. The first Gospel is Matthew. Matthew is kind of the hinge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in Matthew, we see that all these Old Testament prophecies, hundreds of them, were fulfilled in Christ. The second gospel is the gospel of Mark. Mark is the shortest and most action-packed of the gospels. And throughout history, it has been the gospel of Mark that has been the introduction to most new Christians in their discipling process. Luke's gospel is unique in that Luke is the only non-Jew of the gospel writers. And so, His perspective is a little different and very meaningful. And John is my favorite book of the Bible. The Gospel of John. It's less events-driven and it's much more deep in terms of just helping us understand the meaning and the significance of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. So today, I challenge you to get in to those books so that you can learn about Jesus as your example. Now, these books of the Bible reveal way more about Jesus than we can talk about in the remaining minutes that I have with you. But I would like to just talk about four aspects of Jesus' example that are very, very meaningful to me just to kind of wet your whistle to think about Jesus as your example, okay? So the first one is this. Jesus is our example in his relationship to his heavenly father. Alex talked about this two weeks ago, and so I'm not gonna spend much time talking about it because he already talked about it, but it is so central that I just felt like I had to touch on it one more time. Jesus was totally devoted to his heavenly father. He was totally dependent 
on his father. His sense of identity came out of that relationship. You remember when Alex talked about the baptism of Jesus? This is my son. I love him. Jesus lived in that love relationship so he was able to be secure in his life. So Jesus' sense of identity came out of that relationship. Jesus was, willingly, was willing to boldly fulfill the mission God had given him out of that relationship. Jesus was able, through the power of God, to heal supernaturally. So Alex, two weeks ago, said, let's follow Jesus. Let's have our identity be all wrapped up in him. Let's know how deeply we are loved by him and be secure in that relationship. Let's make it a priority to walk with him, to be devoted to him, to trust him and depend on him, just like Jesus did. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 5 went so far as to say, I can do nothing on my own apart from my father. Wow, if that's where Jesus was, <laughs> then we need also to trust him, to be dependent on him, to do in us what we can't do on our own. Here's the second one. Jesus was, you finished? Wow, that looks great. Thank you. That's really, really good. Wow. I'll come back to that. The second one was that Jesus was courageous in his confrontation. A lot of people who don't know Jesus very well picture Jesus as kind of a wimp. That Jesus was this kind of passive, loving, gentle you know, the little kids came around and played on his lap. That's kind of the picture that people have of Jesus. And that is true, but that is not the whole picture of Jesus. You don't have to look any further than the two times that he entered the temple to see that. Most biblical scholars say that probably the first year of his ministry at Passover and then the Passover just before he was crucified. Very similar incidents. But what happened is Jesus walks into the temple. You remember the story, right? Jesus walks into the temple, sees these merchants selling sacrifices, and launches himself at them. And turns the tables over and the benches over and shuts them down. And he said, how dare you, how dare you make my father's house into a business venture? This is to be a house of prayer, and you've turned it into a shopping mall. I was thinking about this. You know, if this happened today, Jesus probably would have been arrested for vandalism. But Jesus was not willing to sit back 
and allow his father's temple to be treated in such a way. Another place where you see the righteous anger of Jesus is in Matthew 23. Just go home and read it sometime. Jesus is strong in nailing the religious leaders of his day for their hypocrisy. When you read it, you understand what I mean. It's scary. (laughs) I mean, Jesus goes after them. So what's the application for me? I can't be passive in living out my life as a follower of Jesus. I can't be apathetic about the fact that people who don't know Jesus are lost and on their way to hell. I can't allow the culture to define what is right and wrong for me. I've got to live my life with conviction and with courage just like Jesus did. Here's a third one. Jesus had an amazing sensitivity to people. Last week, Alex told the story of Jairus coming to Jesus. You remember that? Jairus came to Jesus, said, my daughter is dying. Would you go to our, to our house and heal her? And so Jesus, in all his entourage, takes off heading for Jairus' house, and somewhere en route, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The disciples, (laughs) they're saying, "Uh, Jesus, we don't mean to be mean, but that is really a dumb question. What do you mean, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. People are all crowded around in you. We are out about. We're trying to keep them away. Who touched you? Come on, Jesus. What kind of a question is that? No, Jesus said, no, someone touched me. You see what's going on here? Nobody else had a clue about what is happening. Picture the scene. You got this crowd of people, this parade, this whole entourage of people, and it's just pushing and shoving, and Jesus' bodyguards are trying to clear the way so that he could make it down the road. But Jesus senses something. Jesus knows that something is going on. So he stops And he says, who touched me? The crowd backed up. Jesus' disciples are going, Jesus, really? Jairus is saying, Jesus, what are you doing? My daughter's dying. Can we go? But Jesus is not budging. Who touched me? Finally, the woman comes out from the crowd, falls at Jesus' feet, trembling. Alex talked about why she was so afraid. Do you remember that? 
She had a bleeding problem, and so she was ceremonially unclean. And so she had no business touching Jesus, and so she was scared. But she finally came out from the crowd. She fell at Jesus' feet, trembling. I picture Jesus getting down and lifting this woman's hand and getting her to look into his eyes. And as he looked into her eyes, he said, Tell me your story. This woman looked up into Jesus' eyes, saw his compassion, forgot about all the people around, and started unpacking her story. Years and years of frustration, doctors unable to help, wanting to get better, only getting worse. And she said, Jesus, I, I heard you were coming by and I thought if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I could be healed. So I'm the one that touched your robe, Jesus. But Jesus, I'm whole. I'm healed. Isn't this an amazing scene? Temporarily, Jesus is saying to Jairus, just wait. Temporarily, Jesus is saying to his disciples, just hang on. There is a woman here that needs me. And I'm not going anywhere. Because right now, she's the most important thing on my schedule. And so she said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Wow, that's Jesus. Another way that Jesus demonstrated his incredible ability to listen was as he mentored his disciples. You know, Jesus' strategy from the beginning was to choose the 12, to do life with them, For this period of time, he knew he was going to go and he was going to leave this whole thing with them. And so he was trying to mentor them, to disciple them so that they could turn around and make disciples when he left. And how did he do it? He would send them off and they would minister and then they would come back to him and then he would take them off to a place of retreat and Jesus would say, How'd it go, guys? Tell me about it. And he would listen. What a great example that is for us to be more sensitive to people, to get outside of ourselves and listen to the other person. Many of you know that I have this uh, two-week orientation class for new folks called Next Step. If you've come to the church in the last eight years, you've probably experienced what it is that I'm ready to talk about. The whole first session, usually, of my Next Step class is just the answer to my statement, 
tell me your story. I always just say that. Tell me your story. I did this morning. And what happens is amazing. It's predictable, but it's amazing. Usually, the person isn't exactly sure where to go with it, but I usually ask a few questions and just kind of prod them a little. And before long, they're just telling me all about themselves. Their hurt, their pain, what they've been through. It's an amazing thing. It is so bonding. And it just comes out of the fact that I have walked with Jesus now for a long time. (laughs) 50 years? I've walked with Jesus for 50 years. And I know that the very best thing I can do to help draw people to him and to this church is just to listen to them like Jesus did. There's one more thing. Jesus is our example as a servant. Mark 4, or Mark 10, 44, 45, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Got it, Joel. I heard you back there. Good job. Lots of places through Scripture that Jesus serves, that he talks about serving. It's a recurring theme, but probably the most dramatic experience of this is the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified, he observed the Last Supper with his disciples. So he rents this room, probably didn't rent it, probably borrowed it. Theologians aren't sure who it belonged to. Some say it probably was Nicodemus. But he's in this borrowed house. And, of course, there were no paved roads. So when it didn't rain for a long period of time, the dust got pretty thick. And when it did rain, the roads, those dirt roads, would get very, very muddy. The, dis- the disciples wore just little leather sandals with little leather straps to keep them on their feet. So you can imagine their feet were really smelly and dirty. And typically what would happen is they would go into the home of a guest. There was a large water pot and some towels and there was a servant who would wash their feet. Well, on this occasion there was no servant. So the disciples would typically take turns with the foot washing duty. This particular time, there were no disciples that were volunteering. I'm guessing they were arguing. I'm guessing they were all lobbying for why they shouldn't get stuck with this gross job. Jesus Here's their argument, walks in the room, immediately grabs a towel, gets on his knee, and starts washing their feet. Imagine what that was like. 
I'm guessing the disciples were pretty embarrassed. Here their leader, the Messiah, is kneeling down in front of them, washing their dirty, smelly feet, and they've been arguing, trying to get out of it. (laughs) So they're embarrassed. And I'm guessing it's an awkward silence as Jesus goes around the room. And he gets to Peter, and Peter says, Oh no, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus insists. Peter relents. More silence. And when Jesus finally finishes up, he very deliberately says this to his disciples. Let's read it from John chapter 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put it on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The application can't be more obvious for us, friends. If we are going to follow Jesus, if we're going to call Jesus Lord, then we will serve. We will get outside of ourselves and extend ourselves to others in service. We'll take out the trash. We'll volunteer to take the kids to their practice. We'll volunteer to set up the meeting at work. Set up the room. We'll help a friend move. We'll do whatever being a servant looks like in that moment, just like Jesus did. Before I wrap up, can I just make one other really important point? What happens with me a lot of times when I hear a message like this is I think, wow, I got a long way to go. I got to do better. I got to be more like Jesus. And so I clench my fist and I grit my teeth and I say, okay, I'm going to try harder to be like Jesus. But you know what the problem is with that? Our willpower really doesn't get us very far down that road. Our decision to try to do better doesn't really transform us. It may work for a while, but you know, we know, right? (laughs) How many of us have said, I'm going to do this, and it doesn't happen. Can I suggest a more effective response? Just, Just surrender to Jesus' lordship. 
just allow God's very being to flow through you so that you can do by his help, by his empowerment, what you can never do on your own apart from him. That's how transformation happens. When we get out of the way, when we cooperate with Jesus, we say, Jesus, I know you want me to be compassionate and I don't have it in me, but may your compassion flow through me to others. And when we do that, God is able to accomplish his agenda for us. And that is to help us become more like Jesus. To be a reflection of Jesus. You want to wing it? You want to try to do it on your own without a pattern? Good luck. Hope you're a better artist than me. Or do you want to follow the pattern that was set for you 2,000 years ago in this incredibly loving, strong, committed man named Jesus? That's my choice. I see that in so many of you. I see Jesus in you. And uh, I'm just going to brag on one person today, Helen Van Vuren. I see Jesus in Helen. Helen is that white-haired lady right back there. When Helen, when, when Helen, when I'm with Helen, I feel loved by Helen. And really loved by Jesus. Because I know Helen has walked with Jesus for a long time. One of the things about Helen that I love, and so many people that have come through this church have talked about the impression that she has made on them when they first visited. She said, you know, there's this white-haired lady, Helen. I said, yep, I know Helen. Wow, she was so loving. She was so kind. She introduced herself to me. That's it. And I see that in so many of you. In fact, it's such an honor and a privilege to walk with Jesus with you so that we can be a reflection of him. And guess what? When we really reflect him, people are drawn to that. They want that. Right? I love, I love the screen. I love the lights. I love the sound. I love, our, I love our new chairs. That's all great. But you know what's really going to draw people to Jesus and to here? It's when we look like this. It's when we serve. It's when we listen. 
It's when we live with conviction. It's when we say, Jesus, just live through me. And that's happening, and I'm excited. Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you that you gave us a pattern. You gave us an example that we can follow in your steps. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Would you just speak to every person here right now? Just let them know that you love them. Just call them to the life of trusting you, of letting you live through us. We trust you, Jesus. Speak to us now in these closing moments. Pray in your name.